Joe Biden's decision to open the U.S. border has led to a mass invasion of foreigners, well over 6 million in less than three years. This has led to all sorts of problems, spikes in crime, strains on public services. Things have gotten so bad that even liberal mayors like New York City's Eric Adams have said that the migration crisis could destroy whole cities. But the liberal press wants you to know that it's not all bad. Take this Boston woman, for example, who is so fond of illegal immigration that she's even invited some illegal aliens into her home. It's been an emotional few weeks for Wildande Joseph and her husband. First, sleeping on the floor at Logan Airport, then in Children's Hospital with their two-year-old daughter who got very sick. Me siento mal. She felt bad, as any mother would. Now things are looking much brighter as they've been welcomed into Lisa Hillenbrand's Brookline apartment. Tu niña es muy alegre ahora. Sí, muy alegre. Cuando se levanta en la mañana, se dice, ay, Lisa. She says her daughter is very happy. When she wakes up in the morning, she says, hi, Lisa, and everyone starts the day smiling. It's a delight, and it's really fun having them. What I realized is there's so much prejudice against refugees, mostly because people don't know them. Lisa says she feels like she has her own personal chef, as Wildande loves cooking. Now, hold on. In case you didn't track that story, a wealthy white woman has invited a black woman without many legal rights into her home to cook for her and uh, take care of everything around the house for no money, which kind of sounds like, you know, I was a history major in college, and I think there's a word for that kind of thing. When wealthy white people give poor black people housing and food in exchange for domestic labor with few, if any, legal protections. I'm sure the word will come to me. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Utah Senator Mitt Romney wants you to know that voting to give money to Ukraine is the most important vote that Republican senators we will ever take. We will talk about that in just a moment. But first, go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean exactly that. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. There is no four-line requirement and no activation fee. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It is the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost 1000 bucks a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Be like me. Get Pure Talk, baby. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to switch to my, not mine, like I don't own it, you know, but I have it, cell phone company. I don't want to move off the white liberal Boston lady who loves having a slave. And I don't want to, we got to hold on that for a second. 
Because it sounds so nice. Oh, yes, I've invited this woman onto my property. She can stay here. She can even have a kid here. And all she's got to do is like cook for me. Maybe, maybe clean up a few things around the house. You know, I'm not going to pay her anything. She's, but it's really, wow. Why haven't we thought of this before? <laughs> this, this works out great. And it's not just her. It's not just the liberal Boston lady. This is the explicit argument for mass migration that prominent liberals make. The explicit argument that they make is that there are some jobs that are so unpleasant that Americans don't want to do them. And when Americans do them, they demand fair wages, which no one wants to pay. So we have to import peasants from the third world to work for very low wages to do the jobs we don't want to do. We've got to import a surf class. As as a U.S. Representative Pramila Jayapal, a prominent national Democrat, laid out. This country needs immigrants to survive. Immigrants pick the food we eat, rebuild our communities after climate disasters, help construct our infrastructure, power our small business economy, clean our homes, and look after the most precious in our families, our children and our elders. If we're not bringing these slaves here no more, who's going to clean my house? Who's going to raise my children? If we're not bringing these slaves from El Salvador and Nicaragua anymore, who's going to pick my cotton? I say, I say, I say, I tell you, my name is Pramila Jaipal. I say, I say. <laughs> she doesn't know. They don't know. They don't realize. They don't think about it very much. But that's exactly the argument that they're making. That's certainly the argument that the Chamber of Commerce has made, that the more establishment side of the GOP has made. You read it on the Wall Street Journal editorial pages. Now, we need mass migration so that we get a steady supply of cheap labor. Now, you might say, well, Michael, they're not like slave slaves. It's not like, I mean, I guess in the case of this Boston lady, she, the, the, the people actually are just living in her home and they get food and shelter and they, they work for it. But, but when we're talking about mass migration, no, no, no. It's not exactly slavery, right? Because the people who are importing these peasants from the third world are not even giving them housing and shelter and, and uh, food. You're right. They're paying them very, very low wages. And there's always the threat that they could be deported. And it's usually outside of the legal system of commerce. It's usually people getting paid under the table, not paying taxes on this kind of stuff. Yeah, you're right. In some ways, it's even worse. Because they don't even have the minimal protections that they could have had otherwise in a formalized system of this kind of exploitative servitude. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, not great. Not, not a really good argument, folks. Now, speaking of bad arguments from Libs, uh, California governor and would-be presidential candidate in 2024, Gavin Newsom, has just celebrated what he considers to be the, the most beautiful, greatest moment, greatest accomplishment of his political career. I, I will give it to you from Gavin Newsom in his own words. I think they're undisputed masterpieces. Hip to be square. A song so catchy. Most people probably don't listen to the lyrics, but they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends. It's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! Ah! So I think actually, I, I believe 
that was Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. I'm not sure. I sometimes confuse the two, but the actually, sorry, the clip that I wanted to play was uh, Gavin Newsom talking about redefining marriage. Greatest memory, I kid you not, besides the kid, my own kids, was walking outside the front door here. And there was a year, little girl. It was rare I went out during the middle of all these weddings. And this little girl's tugging at me. I look down and she goes and she looks at me and she goes, thank you for giving me two mommies. To be part of that journey, yeah, journey for equality, but, but for affirmation, for an expansion of rights and liberties and freedom. That's what it's all about. The greatest memory that Gavin Newsom has is depriving a little girl of a father. That is more psycho than anything Patrick Bateman ever said in that movie. Maybe Gavin Newsom hasn't thought about this either. Probably he hasn't. He seems kind of glib as far as politicians go. He's saying, this girl came to me and said, thank you for giving me two mommies. Okay, now two mommies obviously can't make a baby. And if it were the case that two mommies could make a baby, it wouldn't be that Gavin Newsom gave them to her because it would be the natural course of events and how babies are made. So two mommies can't do that, just like two daddies can't do that. So what the little girl is saying is, thank you for redefining marriage and maybe going weak on divorce law and maybe just just scrambling up the whole family such that I don't have a mommy and a daddy. I have two mommies. But you can't have two mommies. You can't totally scramble up the family with, without taking something away. And the thing that Gavin Newsom has taken away, the thing that the Democrats broadly have taken away, is the father or the mother. But they've taken away one of the two parents. And that's, that's really awful. And I'm not surprised that a little kid would defend this sort of thing. Little kids, the children of divorce, the children who are the victims of the broader sexual revolution, they will do anything to defend their parents. They will do anything. This is, this is how adults who disregard children and abuse children and neglect children, this is how they get away with saying, oh, children are resilient because kids will do whatever they can to defend the adults in their lives. But this is really bad because little boys and girls need their fathers and little boys and girls need their mothers too. Both men and women have something to contribute to raising children. Both men and women have something to contribute, period, to the human race. And they're not just totally interchangeable. And when you normalize this kind of disordered sexual behavior, and when you formalize it by, by rewriting the fundamental political unit, which is the family, you necessarily take one of those two things away. And what Gavin Newsom has taken away is a, is a father from a little girl. And, and even almost more scandalous than that, now the society impels the little girl to say, and I'm really happy about it. Oh, it's re I'm really happy my parents got divorced. I'm really happy that I've got two mommies. I'm really happy that our society no longer treats of sex and social relations in a normal, flourishing way. No, no, it's re I'm really happy about it. I've read on the show before the private testimonies of people who say, you know, I, I wish I had a dad. Uh, you know, actually, I don't know. I don't want to make my my dads feel bad, or I don't want to make my moms feel bad. But I kind of wish I had this. Do you, hey, do you think fathers matter in the life of a little girl? I think we all know that father, in that particular circumstance, fathers matter a lot. And this freaking psycho, Gavin Newsom, says it's not not improving the economy, not uh, enforcing the law, and protecting people from violent crime, which Gavin Newsom obviously hasn't done. 
None of those things are his greatest accomplishment. His greatest accomplishment is depriving a little girl of her father. That guy's very dangerous. And that guy really wants to be president. And Joe Biden doesn't appear to be long for this world. And that is a very scary situation for us. There is much more to say, but first, text Knowles to 51555. During this new year, it is important to slow down and think about how we can lift up and help others because of economic decline, high unemployment, skyrocketing food prices. Many families have little or no access to food for their children. Many businesses and informal economies, such as day labor and local markets, have eliminated jobs or closed permanently, leaving many parents with no way to earn money. Local ministry partners, feeding centers, hospitals, and schools are experiencing rising numbers of malnourished children. Thankfully, there is a way we can help. For over 40 years, Food for the Poor has served communities throughout the Caribbean and Latin America. Through a network of trusted ministry partners and local churches, Food for the Poor supplies non-perishable food items and protein-rich meals to children and families suffering from hunger. With the help of their generous donors, they are able to provide food, housing, health care, education, fresh water, emergency relief, and much more. So how can you help? Thanks to a meal-for-meal match, a donation of 80 bucks can feed two children for an entire year. 160 bucks would feed four children, and 320 would feed eight children. Your generous gift today could change the course of a life. Donate now by texting Knowles, Canada, WLAS, to 51555, or by visiting foodforthepoor.org slash Knowles, Canada, WLAS. That is Knowles. Text it to 51555 or go to org slash Knowles. Speaking of deeply disordered sexual stuff, there is a major debate over the relation of church and state and the protection of the church and, by golly, our constitutional rights coming out of Florida. According to the Tampa Bay Times, a man confessed to a terrible sexual sin in a church, and now he's trying to argue that his confession should not be used as evidence in a criminal trial. According to the Tampa Bay Times, a man gripped a microphone as he stood before a stage inside a Florida church and told his pastor and parish leaders he was sorry for what he'd done to the pastor's 12-year-old granddaughter. Juan Martin Gonzalez said that he had sinned. He apologized. He vowed to face the situation. People in the crowd demanded more. God wouldn't forgive him, they said, unless he said exactly what he'd done wrong. Gonzalez kept talking. His words were captured on video. The video was later shared with police. So some people, like this guy's defense attorneys, are arguing that this man is protected by the relationship between a penitent and his confessor. That he, this was a, a religious confession, and uh, therefore it, it should be sacrosanct. It should not be admitted as evidence. And you know me. I am a strong defender of the sacrament of confession. And I believe that the seal of the confessional is inviolable. I, I, I'm a mackerel snapping papist myself, uh, but even those of you who are not Catholic out there, I'm sure you're very well acquainted with the confessional because it's in every movie, <laughs> every religious movie, uh, it, you know, that scene of the man on his knees in the confessional. And maybe something comes out, but the, the priest cannot violate that seal. That's not what this is. This man got up to a microphone in public, not with his confessor in private in a booth. In public, he got up, he had a microphone, there was a video camera recording this. That is a public act. Okay, and our confusion, we're so confused these days over the relationship of the church to the state. We're so confused these days over the relationship of public to private life. We're so confused these days over what a sacrament is that 
We, we just don't know how to handle these very traditional things. But when you speak into a video camera, when you speak into a microphone, when you speak before an audi- auditorium of people, you have no reasonable expectation of privacy. There was some political sex scandal that came out a few uh, weeks ago of, of uh, a man and a woman having a menage a trois, and then one of them claimed that they had a reasonable expectation of privacy, but one of them kind of filmed part of it or whatever. You do you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy in a menage a trois. You do not have a reasonable expectation of privacy in an auditorium of people. You don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy when there are cameras and microphones all around you. You do in the confessional when you're there at the meeting of the physical and the metaphysical, when you're there speaking to a priest who's acting in the person of Christ, but you're, re- you're really confessing your sins to God and his visible representative on earth is there. You don't have it in public life. And as we're now under constant surveillance everywhere, and there are cameras and microphones, this is the sort of issue that is going to creep up more and more and more. Now, speaking of criminal proceedings, some news broke last night while we were on Daily Wire backstage, which is that the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, is now the second cabinet official, cabinet secretary in history to be impeached. The House of Representatives did it. I called this you might remember, I hate to say I told you so, I called this a couple of weeks ago when the Republicans failed at first to impeach Mayorkas. They failed because they have a razor-thin majority because they kicked out George Santos, who was a weirdo congressman, and they kicked him out to seem like they were the big principled people. And all that really did was give away the game to the Democrats. Razor-thin majority, Republican Steve Scalise was out for medical treatment that day, and so the vote was so tight that it it would have ended up being a tie. So then one of the Republicans who was pushing for impeachment flipped to be a no vote so that it wouldn't be a tie, so they'd live to fight another day so they could bring it up again. I guess uh, Congressman Scalise got back, they took the vote, and there goes Alejandro Mayorkas. You are going to hear an argument from the Democrats and the liberals and the squishes that we should not impeach Mayorkas, that this is totally unconstitutional, this is breaking with legal precedent, this is, this is wrong. And you're going to hear it from the squishes because they're going to say, look, yes, the Democrats have impeached President Trump over silly sorts of things, but that was wrong and we shouldn't be like the Democrats. If we just do the same thing the Democrats do, we're no better than them and we sh- All of this is wrong. All of this is ahistorical. I mentioned that Mayorkas is the second cabinet secretary in history to be impeached. The first one was William Belknap in 1876, I believe it was. He was the secretary of war and he was impeached for not only failing to do his job, but also uh, usurping more power than his job would have given him. The reason this is important is that One can be impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors, things like treason and other high crimes and misdemeanors. But there is not just a political basis for impeachment. It's not just that you don't like the cut of the guy's jib, so you're going to throw him out of office. There's a legal threshold that you need to meet as well. The Democrats famously did not meet that in the impeachments of President Trump, where they they never even really made an argument that he committed a high crime or misdemeanor. They just just didn't like him. So first they, they tried to impeach him for colluding with the Ukrainians, I guess, even though they'd previously gone after him for colluding with the Russians, allegedly. And then the second time they they tried to impeach him because, I don't know, they didn't like what he tweeted on January 6th, the worst day in human history. Uh, totally ridiculous. But in this case, in this case, there is precedent because the reason that uh, 
Secretary of War William Belknap was impeached in 1876 was for uh, behaving in a manner grossly incompatible with his uh, proper functions and purpose of his office. So in 1876, included among the charges was that he disregarded his duty as Secretary of War. That is a kind of maladministration. And then when the House Judiciary Committee outlined this in 1974, they explicitly said impeachment is proper when an official exceeds the powers of his office, behaves in a manner grossly incompatible with the proper functions and purpose of his office, and employs the purpose of his office for an improper purpose. As the Heritage Foundation has pointed out, Alejandro Mayorkas has done all three of those things. That's according to the proper definition uh, and proper basis of impeachment from the House of Representatives in 1974, which means it was a Democrat House of Representatives at that time. And it's, it's in keeping with the precedent that we had for impeaching cabinet secretaries going back over a century and a half, okay? I think, or just about a century and a half, I think we're good. The impeachment of Mayorkas is justified. Historically, legally, I think you could say persuasively, and politically, because the Democrats do this to us. They did it twice to the last president. Surely we can do it here to Mayorkas. But if Mayorkas is impeached, then this necessarily leads one to conclude that Biden should be impeached as well, because Mayorkas is enforcing the Biden policy period. So this is a nice little win for the House. It's not going to go anywhere because the Senate's not going to convict him because we don't have enough Republican senators. Decent enough win in the House. Uh, Now they should go on and impeach Joe Biden. There is much more to say, but first, go to hallow.com slash Knowles. As many of you know, our good friends over at Hallow had a commercial in the big game this past weekend. There is something special about taking a moment to remember what truly matters in life and preparing for this season of Lent. Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter, which starts today. Lent is a time of intense prayer, fasting, and giving. This year, Hallow's annual Pray 40 Challenge focuses on surrender and includes meditations on the powerful book, He Leadeth Me, a story about a priest who became a prisoner and slave in the Soviet Union during the Cold War. His story is one of ultimate surrender and how we are called to offer up our own worries, anxieties, problems, and lives to God. There will also be Lent music, Lent-specific Bible stories, and other Lenten prayers such as the seven last words of Christ with Jim Caviezel. So what are you waiting for? Join Hallow's Prayer 40 Challenge today. Download the Hallow app, hallow.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, for an exclusive three-month free trial of more than 6,000 prayers and meditations. That is hallow.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Folks, Mardi Gras was yesterday. I hope you all got your beads. Actually, I hope you didn't get your beads, but I hope you had a nice muffaletta sandwich. I hope you, you know, had a nice fun day. Now it is Lent. Ash Wednesday is upon us. This is a period of abstention. This is a period of fasting. This is a period of uh, penitence as we lead up to Easter. This is something the church has observed for 2,000 years. And if you want just a nice little touch to remind you of that in your home, you can now get the Smells and Bells candle from the Michael Knowles collection in the Daily Wire shop. That's right, baby. We had the creme de la creme candle sold like wildfire. We then had the uh, pumpkin spice candle. That one sold out immediately. And then now we're elevating things. If you want your home to smell like a lovely church, get the Smells and Bells candle. I was debating naming it potpourri. I thought that'd be kind of funny. But Smells and Bells is what we landed with. It's got this lovely little stained glass design on here. And it's a high-end candle. It's, it, it's got a nice little uh, like wooden wick there. And I don't know about you, but I love uh, 
the smell of good incense in a church. And when I go over to my friend George Farmer's house, we, and we're smoking cigars, he'll get a thurible going. He'll get some nice church incense. Well, anyway, you can make, you can make your own home smell like a lovely church today. The Smells and Bells Candle, dailywire.com slash shop. Perfect for the Lenten season. Get your candle today. Now, speaking of Congress, frustrating news out of New York yesterday. I mentioned that we kicked George Santos out of Congress for some reason, and you're going to be shocked to hear it. A Democrat won his seat in liberal New York. Who could have predicted this? Republicans had a razor-thin majority. We kicked out a Republican congressman because he's a weirdo. And he's legitimately a weirdo. He, he, I mean, he, he did weird sex stuff and he pretended to be a different ethnicity and he engaged in all sorts of financial deception and fraud. So he's a total weirdo. My only hesitation at the time from kicking him out is most of the Democrats have done all that stuff too. My, my only reason that I suggested perhaps we shouldn't kick this guy out is you're talking about weird sex stuff. That's the new threshold. Okay, you're going to have to kick out half of the Democrats in Congress at least. You're saying that now pretending to be a different ethnicity is basis for being expelled. Okay, well, how about we go to the upper chamber and talk to Senator Liawatha because she got her whole career on this kind of nonsense. And uh, despite her high cheekbones and her recipe for powwow chow, it turns out that she's not actually an Indian. So we're going to kick her out too? No, Democrats would never kick her out for that. And then financial deception and fraud? Are you kidding me? We'd have to shut down Washington, D.C. if that were the basis for expelling someone from the nation's capital. So yeah, I think that's all terrible. I think that's really bad. But what's good for the goose is good for the gander. You're going to give up potentially a razor-thin Republican majority for what? To stand on the principles that no one applies? To just unilaterally disarm in a political battle? What are we electing you people for? thought it was crazy at the time. Also because you were almost guaranteed to get a Democrat to replace him. The libs are going to now say, this is a referendum on Trump and this is it. And the Republicans are going to lose in 2024 now. I don't know, maybe we'll lose in 2024, but it's not because of this seat. The, the guy who won was the guy who had the seat previously, Tom Swotze. Tom Swotze, I don't know how to properly pronounce, in the proper Italian ways, Swotze, but I don't know how this Medigan pronounces it. Uh, he, he had the seat from 2017 to 2023 and then George Santos briefly occupied it. And then the guy took it back. Okay. Doesn't mean very much, I think, for the, the 2024 cycle, other than that the GOP was extremely stupid to kick Santos out. Because now you, you can't even impeach the worst DHS secretary in American history, a guy who's opened up the border and uh, encouraged millions and millions of foreigners to invade our country. That's what it means. Good job. Great job, GOP. With Republicans like this, who needs Democrats? Now, speaking of the rhinos, speaking of Republicans screwing things up needlessly, Senator Mitt Romney just took to the Senate floor to explain the most important vote that Republican senators will ever take. Is it on the border? No. Is it on the economy? No. Is it on defending marriage and life? And No, no, no. It's on giving money to Ukraine, of course. Vote we will soon take to provide military weapons for Ukraine is the most important vote we will ever take as United States senators. You couldn't make it up. And he probably believes that. In Senator Romney's defense, he probably believes that. It's the most important vote ever. The American vassal state in Ukraine, this proxy war with Russia, 
that has no particularly strategic end in sight other than to kill as many Russians as possible. And if the cost of that is killing as many Ukrainians as possible, so be it. So that we can, what, expand NATO for some reason? And why are we expanding NATO? Because, I don't know, because we, we want to, because we want to have an empire, but we don't want to have an empire, but we want to impose our values, but we don't like our real values, so we just basically want to spread pride flags to to all the reaches of the earth. And because, I don't know, just because that's just because kind of kind of what we do. So vote to give more money without any strategic end in sight. Or if there is a strategic end, it's one that you won't support. Yeah, most important vote. I believe it. I believe that. This is the definition, the definition of the court jester in the kingdom of liberalism. This is court jester conservatism. The kind of person who goes up and he pretends as though he's in opposition to the liberal ruling class. And on some votes, he'll vote in opposition to them. On the votes where it doesn't matter, on the votes where it's not going to count. But then when it really counts, when it really comes down to priority that the liberals care about, his job is to fold. And that's what he's doing. Even if it's not folding, even if he really believes this, his job is to show his true colors then and side with the liberals. This is why it was always so silly when the liberals would, would defend Liz Cheney. And they'd say, look, Liz Cheney, she's a Republican. She's a conservative. She votes with the conservatives 90 plus percent of the time. You're going to tell me she's a liberal, Michael? She's a conservative. No. She votes for, with the conservatives when it doesn't matter. She votes with the conservatives when she's the 52nd surplus vote. She votes with the conservatives on issues where her vote's not going to matter because the issue's not going to go anywhere. But on the crucial issues, on the moments when we have to define the leader of the opposition as a traitor to his country and as an insurrectionist, when, when Nancy Pelosi needs a couple fake Republicans to sit on the January 6th committee, that's when you're going to see her true colors. On the votes that count, that's when you're going to see the true colors. That's when the court jester conservatives come out. Now, speaking of GOP senators who are just saying very strange things these days. Senator Kevin Kramer, against whom I have nothing. I don't know. I, I wasn't even really aware of this guy before. He might, he might be a perfectly fine guy, but he's saying something that's very strange. He said, in response to uh, Eric Schmidt, another Republican senator, he says, nearly every Republican senator under the age of 55 voted no on this America last bill. 15 out of 17 elected since 2018 voted no. So he's saying this Ukraine bill, it's separating the, the boomer cons from the younger conservatives. And Senator Kramer, who would appear to be in the former category, he says, youthful naivete is bliss. The wisdom of age may save the West. Reagan may be dead, but his doctrine saved the world during less dangerous times than these. If the modern Marx, Putin for the youngsters, restores the USSR while we pretend it's not our problem. God help us. Be free. <sighs> Boy, I, look, I tend to side with the geriatrics on a lot of political matters. I'm not one of these who says, you know, kick out all the old people and we need age limits on running for office. I think that's crazy. I do think that generally with age comes wisdom, but not always. First of all, if we're talking about the Reagan doctrine, it's true Reagan favored peace through strength. 
But he really did favor peace. Let's not forget, when there was a major attack on American troops in Lebanon, the Beirut barracks bombings, what happened? Hundreds of American servicemen killed. What did Reagan do? Did he then go and, you know, send in the Marines and and uh, take over Lebanon, start a new war in the Middle East? Did he, did he punch back three times as hard? No, he withdrew his troops from Lebanon. That's probably the smart thing to do. Ronald Reagan's foreign policy was involved a lot more restraint than the uh, so-called Reaganites today would have you believe. But the, the silliest phrase in this tweet is the, no, is the notion that Vladimir Putin is the modern Marx. What? The modern Marx? Marx wasn't even Russian. <laughs> Marx wasn't a political leader. Marx was a dirty, filthy weirdo, probably demonically obsessed, if not possessed, political philosopher living off his friend's purse in Germany. The modern Marx. To, to even say Vladimir Putin is a Marxist, I want to be as fair as I can to this view. There is Vladimir Putin does exhibit some Marxist traits, and actually one of them came out during the Tucker interview. There's At least in one degree, Putin probably shares Marxist-Leninist views. Do you see God at work? Do you ever think to yourself, these are forces that are not human? No, to be honest, I don't think so. My opinion is that the development of the world community is in accordance with inherent laws, and those laws are what they are. It's always been this way in the history of mankind. Some nations and countries rose, became stronger and more numerous, and then left the international stage, losing the status they had accustomed to. There is probably no need for me to give examples, but we could start with the Genghis Khan and Horde conquerors, the Golden Horde, and then end with the Roman Empire. It seems that there has never been anything like the Roman Empire in the history of mankind. Nevertheless, the potential of the barbarians gradually grew, as did their population. Okay, the reason I say this is evidence of Putin's little bit of Marxism is, he says, I, I reject the notion that God is sovereign. I reject seeing the hand of providence in the history of the world. He, he's accepting Marx's history, historical materialism. And he's saying, no, that, that is no, not that, that is not really what happens. This is the people that rise and they fall. But even that, it's not, he's not talking about class struggle exactly. And then he gets to the point on Rome and he says, the Roman Empire, there's nothing like this ever in the history of the world, which is very true. And there's a very deeply Christian view about this. Dante writes about it a lot. Uh, the church fathers write about this, that in the, in the fullness of time, you know, you have the incarnation during a period of peace on earth, during this, this empire that conquered basically the whole world, nothing like it has ever existed since. That's when our Lord is incarnate. And that's kind of interesting. Jeremy has made uh, the, these sort of historical comparisons that at the time that you have the man called the Filius Divi on the throne in Rome, the son of the divine, you have the Filius Dei, the son of God, born within the Roman Empire in this far-flung part of the Roman Empire. At, at the time that you have... Uh, Caesar Augustus, heralded by a star, Julius Caesar, you have uh, our Lord, his birth, heralded by a star in the East. You have the Pax Romana, the peace of, this, of the Roman world. You have the peace of the world, the Prince of Peace, coming down 
in, in Bethlehem. These historical coincidences, and there, there are many more of them too. Putin even seems to hint at that. He's not just a Marxist, okay? Maybe he's a czarist. Maybe he's um, just an authoritarian kind of right-wing leader. He's, but it's just so cheap. It's just so cheap to say, he's, he is a Marxist. He's the, this is the 1980s. It's not the 1980s, man. I like Ronald Reagan as much as the next guy. I'm a really pro-Reagan fella. Just like I really like William F. Buckley Jr. I wrote the foreword to William F. Buckley Jr.'s most famous book, God and Man at Yale. But man, they're dead, okay? They, they lived, they fought their battles, they did the best they could in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. You know, the 80s were it was 40 years ago, okay? They, these guys have been dead for a long time. Let them die, okay? Let them rest. And how about you face the political realities of your world, which are very different than they were back then. This is where age will not bring you wisdom. It will bring you blindness because you think that history stopped in 1987. It did not. Now, speaking of Putin, we turn back to those ladies on The View. Alyssa Griffin, one of the fake conservatives on The View, has uh, just started the, the latest line of attack against Donald Trump, which is that Donald Trump wants World War III with Vladimir Putin. We're kind of missing something more significant for the stakes of this country that also came out of that speech. Uh, Donald Trump, or that with the clip that we saw, Donald Trump said that if he were president again, mm-hmm. he would greenlight Russia invading yeah. NATO. He would yeah. literally is saying that he would want World War III to happen. But and I would remind this is him. Not a, this is not new with him. And he's literally saying that. He's literally. Did you know literally he was saying he literally wants World War III? Christian Amanpour literally said literally the same thing on CNN. Honestly, Sarah, people are aghast. I mean, they they view that kind of invitation, encouragement from a, the front runner of the United States for the Republican nomination to be, you know, literally insane. Literally, it's literally. It's I, and I. You know what I'm literally doing right now? I am literally calling for a complete and total shutdown on casual use of the world. Literally until we figure out what the hell is going on. No person who uses the word literally, regularly, is to be taken seriously ever. <laughs> Least of all, Christian Amanpour, who Drew calls Christian Amanpour journalist, and uh, Alyssa Griffin, the, you know, the fake token conservative at The View who worked for Trump. This is such a dumb line of attack. Democrats can keep it up. I don't care. I hope the Democrats keep using this line of attack. This is such a dumb one because Trump was already president. We know what the world was like when Trump was president. It was extremely peaceful. It's more peaceful. It was more peaceful than it has ever been in my lifetime, probably even including the presidency of Bill Clinton, which occurred right after the collapse of the Soviet Union. But even Clinton, he was bombing Iraq. He was he was engaging in some military activities. Trump was winding down wars in Iraq, winding down wars in Syria. He was a very, very peaceful president. He dealt with Putin. The only time in the last 20 years that Putin hasn't invaded or further invaded a country was under Donald Trump's presidency. So, so dumb, literally. Now, folks, I got good news and I got bad news. Which do you want first? I'll give you the bad news first. Most of the products in your bathroom have gone woke at this point. The good news is Jeremy's wants to help you wash off the woke with 15% off all of your essentials along with Jeremy's skincare products. The facial cleanser and moisturizer are made with natural ingredients like aloe vera, bamboo charcoal, and hyaluronic acid. And Jeremy's leaves out toxic chemicals such as 
paraben sulfates and phthalates. I think that's how you pronounce that. Because how can you wash off toxic values if you're using toxic chemicals? Mm-hmm. Head on over to jeremysrazors.com. Get your Jeremy's skincare for 15% off today, along with all of your other essentials. Speaking of essentials to get today, you know, we were smoking Mayflower cigars last night, obviously on Daily Wire. Uh, and uh, I know some of you ladies out there, you want to get the man in your life a nice, beautiful Valentine's present. Well, a little IOU with the pre-order slip of a delicious Mayflower cigar. Maybe that's just the trick. I don't know. My favorite comment yesterday is from Kemi GR6297, who says, reminds me of the congressman who didn't drink water for eight hours and they had him hooked up to all kinds of medical equipment. That's right. I assume you're referring to those decadent little fatties at Harvard who were protesting for Palestine liberation and 30 of them decided to skip lunch. And so they didn't eat for 12 hours which for, for many people is called, you know, Tuesday. And uh, then they enjoyed a sumptuous feast. Uh, yes, there was that congressman. He, he went something like eight hours without water, which I'm not bragging. I regularly do that. Like probably multiple days a week, I do that. But he was doing it for some dumb cause and they had him hooked up to like an IV and all sorts of medical devices. And it was very, I agree. It was very, very silly. Speaking of the view, the View is very angry. They've turned on one of the court jester conservatives, Chris Christie, because Chris Christie, just he, even though Christie hates Trump, even though Christie is a big rhino, Christie pointed out that Joe Biden, he's not the most attractive candidate. I like President Biden personally, always have. But, you know, past his sell by date. You know what? Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. First of all, what are you talking about? He did, he kicked butt a couple of days ago. South Carolina. He did better than you know who did. Yeah. Okay? So it's not, you know, nobody knows what's coming, but you know, you can't tell Democrats to get. (laughs) Okay. Uh, First of all, I know what you're gonna say. You say, Michael, who cares what the view says? I know you don't care what the view says. I don't care what the view says. The only time I see the view is when it's clipped out on conservative sites. That's the only time you see the view is when I post it on on my show or on my social media pages. The view remains one of the most popular daytime TV shows. There are a lot of people out there. I know it's a horrifying thought, but there are a lot of people out there who watch the view. And what they're getting from this commentary from the view is the establishment liberal line to a T. This is really great commentary from The View here because it shows you perfectly the line between leftists and establishment liberals. This is the line. The people who are still defending Joe Biden's supposed vigor and virility, they are completely dishonest, cynical establishment hacks. They either don't have an original view or they don't care about the truth whatsoever. They are willing to lie to you, or they're totally indifferent to the truth, or their brains have just so stopped functioning because the the NPC chip was, was installed in the back of their brain stem that they cannot possibly think for themselves. That is the only explanation. The, there are many, many serious leftists, serious liberals, 
I know that seems like a contradiction in terms, but there are some people who at least are trying to use their rational faculties and they sadly arrive at left-wing and liberal conclusions. That is not this. This is just pure state media propaganda. This is like those people on North Korean TV who talk about how the great leader, you know, yet again has achieved miracles on earth. This is, this is Pravda. This is so pathetic. I, I'm, Sorry for our country that we can now never criticize the official, you know, party paper of the Soviet Union because we have our own version of it. And it's these people who are propping up the corpse of Joe Biden and saying, what are you talking about? Oh, he's so virile. Great sun leader. He just ran a decathlon yesterday. Joe Biden, you saw him kick butt. It's just so sad. I thought that maybe Whoopi Goldberg had an independent view. She doesn't. And any of your friends and any of your relatives and any of your coworkers who are defending Biden's vigor and virility at this point, you just, you can't even have a conversation with them. There, that, that demonstrates such little regard for the truth. It's not even worth talking about it. Now, speaking of women's issues, sort of thing they talk about on The View, right? Washington Post is very upset. I want to get to this story. Trans women should be arrested over bathroom use, North Carolina gubernatorial candidate says. Oh boy, this guy's in hot water. This guy is North Carolina's lieutenant governor. He's a leading candidate in this year's gubernatorial election. Mark Robinson, can you, he said trans women should be arrested over bathroom use? Actually, he didn't. He didn't say that they should be arrested if they use the bathroom. He said they should be arrested if they use the wrong bathroom. Because trans women is not a real category of people. It's just men who, because of either intellectual defects or perversions of their will, uh, think or want to be women, they go into the girls' room. And they shouldn't do that. That's already illegal in most places, and it certainly should be illegal everywhere. Total common sense. But the libs... Are going, and this is, talk about an establishment paper, we're talking about the Washington Post here. They want you to think that this view is beyond the pale. Don't let them do that. Of course, dudes should be arrested for using the girls' bathroom. Of course. This man, this North Carolina gubernatorial candidate, who they're trying to paint as some kind of neo-Nazi or something like that, holds the view that Every single person virtually in both political parties held until roughly 2015. For all, for all of human history, until roughly eight, nine years ago, every single person held this view. That's obviously the correct view. And we're now coming up on the one-year anniversary of my CPAC speech where the liberal press also maligned me and uh, libeled me and tr- tried to marginalize a completely normal mainstream view. We just shouldn't let them do it. I want to see every Republican politician coming out and defending what this North Carolina gubernatorial candidate said. I don't know anything about Mark Robinson. I don't know if he's a good candidate or not. Maybe. I have no reason to think he's a bad candidate. But I, you can't let them get away with this. Every prominent Republican, the, the more mainstream, the squishier, the better, frankly, who comes out and just says, yeah, man, husky, deeply mentally ill or sexually perverted or both, kinds of dudes, certainly should not be in the bathroom with my wife or my daughter. In fact, they're the very last people on earth who should be in those bathrooms. Of course, you sick perverts at the Washington Post, you, uh uh-uh, 
Ain't going to mainstream this, guys. Ain't going to mainstream this at all. Where do I donate? Where do I donate to Mark Robinson? What did he say? The, the offending line was, we're going to defend women in this state. That means if you're a man on, on Friday night and all of a sudden Saturday you feel like a woman, you want to go into the women's bathroom in the hall, you will be arrested or whatever we got to do. Yeah, right. We're going to fine you. We're going to imprison you. I don't, whatever it is. Yeah. You don't get to do that. Super duper creepy. And we're not going to force women to do things that are not only that could lead to obviously very bad consequences like assault, like rape, like things that have happened, not even just to grown women, to little kids in schools that have happened because of transgender ideology, uh, but just because it's intrinsically wrong. It's just intrinsically disordered and wrong, and it's against the law in most places. It should be against the law everywhere, and that guy's going to defend it, common sense, and we should defend common sense too. It is Woke Wednesday, baby. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. (laughs) 